All right. So I am now joined by Bronco Markenich, uh, who is a uh, staff writer for Jacobin, uh, where he recently uh, wrote an article about the controversy about uh, calls to remove Joe Rogan from Spotify. Um, the kind of latest thing, of course, that sort of sparked that, although it's not actually what the article is about, you know, but it's mentioned in it, uh, was, you know, Neil Young, um, you know, kind of removing his, his music for the platform in protest, although it kind of seems like he might have also had very Rogan unrelated issues with the platform. Um, so that's kind of briefly mentioned, but, you know, the main thing is the, is the calls to, uh, to remove Rogan that had been going on before, you know, before Neil Young, you know, kind of got involved in it. So, uh, one of the, you know, kind of the main point, you know, you make in the article is that if we're thinking about vaccine hesitancy and, and, you know, kind of, um, why, you know, like correct public health messaging isn't getting through to, you know, as many people as it needs to get through to right now, that you think that the, the focus on this, you know, granted, extraordinarily popular, but also, you know, kind of kind of fringy podcaster sort of misses the point. Yeah, that's a pretty fair uh, summation of, of my argument. I mean, I, uh, you know, we can talk about uh, the, the pitfalls uh, of kind of normalizing or, or even institutionalizing uh, censorship or content moderation as, as you know, in the, in the kind of euphemism uh, mm-hmm. of the day uh, of uh, you know, online content, whether it's podcasts or uh, you know, Substacks or uh, other kinds of writing, I, I think those are also worthy uh, subjects to consider when we talk about whether to, to censor Rogan or not to, to censor him. But I think in this case, I was kind of struck mostly by, okay, well, let's say that that we did get Spotify to, to kick Rogan off, or they instituted some sort of program where you know they would rigorously fact check and then kind of moderate uh whatever he was putting out based on on what they what they would think is the public health advice well what what would really happen what would really change and i i really find it difficult to 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 believe that anything would really change from that uh rogan is one cog in the machine of let's say covid misinformation um whether that's how he sees himself or not i don't know but you know I, I, he is just one person who's giving out bad advice and you know he actually says that you know i maybe slightly disingenuously i don't know but he says i have no idea what i'm talking about you shouldn't listen to me um meanwhile there's i mean countless other vehicles for all sorts of 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 uh, misinformation. Some of it, I would say, much more virulent and, and worse than than Rogan's show. Uh, you know, obviously the the massive right wing media ecosystem uh, that's constantly putting out all sorts of misinformation. Um, but I also, it's not even the right. I mean, that's the other thing about it. Um, I mean, you know, the the week that I wrote this thing, you had that clip that went viral of uh, Barry Weiss and on Bill Maher's show, basically saying, you know, at this point, the virus isn't really real. This is all just kind of security, biosecurity theater. And, um, you know, we should all just go back to normal, um, which has already happened basically in, in most of the country anyway. But yeah. that was the argument. A lot of people applauded. 
Um, you know, and that's not the only one. I mean, uh, as, as another notable example, uh, David Leonhardt, who's a New York Times reporter who writes about about COVID, um, he he's been very heavily criticised for taking basically this kind of Barry Weiss approach, a kind of soft COVID denial approach, you might say, that kind of underplays the the public health risks of the virus. Um, and apparently, uh, we just found out last week that that uh, Joe Biden is one of his most eager um, listeners. So, you know, the president of the United States who has implemented this the, the kind of stubbornly vaccine-only uh, strategy for the pandemic that's been absolutely disastrous. It's seen hundreds of thousands of people uh, die. More people die under his watch than under Trump, even with more than half the country vaccinated. He's been listening to a liberal writer at one of the, the most prestigious uh, legacy liberal uh, 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 newspaper outlets, um, ones that kind of, unlike Rogan, do not say, hey, don't listen to us. We don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> I'm just an MMA fighter who likes taking mushrooms and, and smoking weed. No, the, the New York Times intentionally presents itself as an authority. Um, so you get rid of Rogan, you're still going to have ju- just these few, few examples that I've mentioned here and a whole host of other um uh, uh, vehicles or, or outlets that are putting out misinformation about this or, or wrong information, bad information. Um, so my question is, what instead can we do that actually takes on the root causes of this stuff and makes people listen to people like Joe Rogan, leads them to think, oh, this this is someone I should be taking my health advice from. What is it that's causing that and why why don't we look at that and, and, and focus on that? Yeah, and in terms of thinking about some of the things that lead people to the point where um, they're, uh, you know, where they're listening to to someone in the subject who, you know, is the first to admit and remind people, you know, that that he he is any sort of expert, um, and. Uh, you know, and I should say, I mean, it's much worse than just like, you know, being some random non-expert, you know, being a random non-expert with very conspiratorial, uh, <laughs> you know, kinds of, uh, kinds of instincts, right? You know, that, which is like a consistent feature of Rogan's, you know, commentary for as long as there's been commentary. And even before there was commentary, I remember watching him on the news radio in the nineties and like, there was even like kind of a joke about the character that he played on there. Uh, so it's a, it's a very consistent thing about him. Uh, but you know, one of the, I thought the most powerful points in the piece is that the sort of environment where large numbers of people are, you know, willing to listen to cranks, uh, or who just sort of, um, are just, you know, hesitant to, you know, to, to accept that, you know, it's important that they get vaccinated, um, you know, whether they're, you know, whether they exactly believe any sort of anti-vaccine claim or not, is that the sort of, you know, a big part of the reason why we got here was that, you know, public health officials, you know, who ideally, you know, I mean, you, know, you should have public trust built up with uh, and and should be like, you know, their their words should just be gold, right? You know, because it's so important that people listen to them and something like this, because obviously most people can't, you know, like as kind of the joke I had on Twitter the other day about how I don't really believe you're going to do your own epidemiological research, you know, that like most people aren't <laughs> in a position to uh, to say, right? So it, it, it's very important that, you know, that people people do defer to some kind of guidance about, about a public health crisis like this. And, you know, you make the point that the, 
you know, the messaging has just kind of been a disaster since the beginning of COVID. And there are a lot of things that have, have happened that have undermined that confidence that, you know, have nothing to do with misinformation from outside. Yeah, exactly. I, I, the other half of the, the piece is really me trying to think about, well, what is it that is leading people to, to listen to, to Joe Rogan? Because it's, it's not as if, you, know, you might say, okay, there's there's a proliferation on the internet of all sorts of people who have no qualifications or little knowledge or experience of what they're talking about. That that is absolutely true, and you could say, well, that's the problem that that all these people are out there, and so therefore, uh, that's why people listen to them, and we need to clamp down on them. We need to to banish them from the internet. We need to stop them from being able to put their messages out. But the thing is, um, there's also the internet is is full of. Uh, 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 good information. It's in fact, it's full of more good information than probably we've ever had in in human history. I mean, you and I and anyone on this call can and probably has gone on the internet and found uh, opinions from public health experts in, in different countries. Uh, they've mm-hmm. been able to look at what other other governments have done and what's worked and what hasn't. They've been able to look at studies produced all over the world that that point to a whole bunch of different conclusions. Um, and so certainly, that's how it has you know, how I've informed myself about how to go through these last two years and, 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 and to figure out the risks uh, that I'm willing to take for myself and the people around yeah. me. Um, so there's a reason that people are, are gravitating instead to people like Joe Rogan or someone like Joe Rogan, who, again, says quite openly, I'm not an expert. You should not be taking my medical, uh, your medical advice uh, from me. Um, and, and I think in the U.S. context, I think it has a lot to do with, as you outlined there, the uh, really bad track record of, of public health advice and some of that is is um is is unavoidable um because the virus itself has evolved mm-hmm. uh, because the conditions in which the virus has been spreading have changed because our knowledge of the virus has changed when we when we start out we didn't know that much we were still groping in the dark to figure out what was going on we know much more now so of course some of that's going to change and of course opportunistic people like you know Tucker Carlson or people in Fox or, or other sort of uh, very cynical right-wing people have taken advantage of that to say, well, look, oh, look, look how they're changing the the, 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 the grounds and look how they change oh. their talking points. Um, but a lot of it has had, unfortunately, not that much to do um, with with the changing science. I mean, the most famous example is, is Anthony Fauci uh, telling people don't wear a mask and then later admitting that he lied. Uh, because you know, and, and he says it's a noble lie. I did it because I, I uh, didn't want people to panic by um, masks and then leave a shortage. Okay, well maybe a, maybe a noble lie in, in that situation, but uh, the result is that you are now completely discredited uh, in the eyes of, of of much of the population. Because whenever you go out there and you say anything, hit, you know, you should do this, you shouldn't do this. People are naturally going to go, well, hold on. Are you saying that because it's true or are you just saying that to us now because you have some sort of ulterior motive? Um, and, and as the guy who is the face of public health uh, in the United States uh, and, and kind of the, the, the face and voice of, of uh, I guess, science on this virus, that's incredibly damaging. And you can see that in the polls that Fauci is not trusted by a lot of people. And he's really the tip of the iceberg. I, the other example I give, the CDC has nakedly politically changed its its standards for mask guidance. Uh, obviously, the isolation period that we just saw back in December, that was a hugely controversial thing. Um, th- you know, this is, again, a, a body that is meant to stand outside of politics and give down the line 
science advice. And we can see that it is, if not being politicized, that it is at least taking political considerations into account when it's making that advice and saying things that don't really make a lot of sense when we when we know things about the virus. Um, other example, you know, back back in whatever it was, I, I think it was March, maybe somewhere around there in, in 2021, Joe Biden, you know, science president, I believe in science. He goes on CNN, of course, another liberal show that's very much about the science, all about the COVID science. And, and he says at this town hall, he tells people kids rarely get coronavirus and they can't spread it to their parents, um, which at that time was was known to be completely untrue. Um, and he was applauded by it. He was applauded by it uh, by much of the media. Again, the media that, that we're told constantly is, you know, unlike Trump, really believes in science and, and believes in accurate information. Um, there's instances like this all throughout the pandemic. Um, and so, you know, I think that's part of it is that people have gone, well, hold on. These, these, these people who are authorities on this, it, it kind of sounds like they don't know what they're talking about. And they're actually kind of misleading us. Um, and so perhaps that is why people go to someone like, like Joe Rogan, who, even if he's wrong, at least, you know, is up front with you and says, I don't know what I'm talking about. And maybe that appeals to people. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I I think it probably does. Right. I mean, like the way that, you know, podcasting in general, um, appeals to people to a great extent because of the, you know, the sense, you know, the, you know, the parasocial aspect, right. You know, the, the sense that you're just kind of, um, you know, talking to your buddy in the living room or maybe in Rogan's case, you know, getting high with him in the basement, um, <laughs> that, you know, which is, uh, obviously one of the appealing things about the form, but, you know, could also be dangerous. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's, I think that's definitely right. I mean, I, I think the mask, Example is particularly bad. I, I did a episode of uh, GTA about this with uh, Sam Adler Bell um, a while ago because because he'd uh, he'd written about this for how was it the cut I think uh, damage one of those and uh, and I, I think that like if you were even if you buy the argument. Right, that like that this was a, a noble lie. That like he really he really did have to Fauci really did have to to you know spread knowingly spread misinformation about the effectiveness of masks in order to to preserve the supply of masks for uh, you know medical professionals. And I I, I kind of don't <laughs> buy that. I mean I I think that um, I think you could have you know like. You know, Biden could have gone on TV to, you know, to to give, you know, tell people about how to, you know, like they could have done like some event in the White House about how to make make a mask at home. There, they could have, um, uh, you know, they they could have invoked uh, the uh, Defense Production Act to uh, to start pumping out a ton of masks right away. Uh, but even if you do buy it, like for the sake of argument, that was really something that was important that had like defensible for him to do. Surely he should have resigned the the moment he 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 like kind of came clean about the the motivations, right? That I mean, like that that I mean, like if it was necessary to say that, then surely it was necessary for him to step down from that post because you know it's so important that you have somebody who can kind of maintain public trust, you know, being in that position during a deadly pandemic. Absolutely. Uh, or if he wasn't going to resign, which obviously he, he, he wasn't, he clearly uh, likes his perch there. Well, then he, he should have been uh, fired. I mean, 
I, I think that was one of the biggest mistakes that Biden made and really one of these kind of uh, inexplicable kind of uh, uh, sops to, to the Democratic base. Uh, we often talk about how on the left we complain about how Biden has betrayed uh, the people who voted for him, who put him in power so many times. But but here, here's where they're willing to do a completely damaging and self-defeating kind of um, uh, uh, a thing just to please their voters, which is keep keep Fauci uh, in the position he's in. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Should've, he should have been uh, pushed out of that position. Instead, he's still there, and he's saying things like, um, an attack on me is an attack on science itself. And I mean, with a, a figure that's as as widely and publicly discredited as Fauci saying that, I mean, what does that do to the to the trust in science? Um, if, if Fauci himself is a credit to science, well, suddenly the science seems a lot more, a lot less certain um, than, than it seemed. Um, just a further illustration of my, my point before, yeah. um, I'll just add, um, okay, look, for example, America is not the only country in the world where you can listen to Joe Rogan. I, I, I don't know if people are aware of this. If you go to other, con- other countries around the world, whether they're English speaking or not, they all have access to the same internet we have. Uh, they, they all listen to and, and watch the same TV, radio, all that stuff. That, 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 well, maybe not radio, maybe not radio, but, but TV and certainly podcasts that everyone else listens to. Portugal uh, has a 98% uh, 98% vaccination rate. Pretty astounding. Um, you can listen to Joe Rogan in Portugal, and I'm sure he's very popular. Uh, why, if, if, if Joe Rogan is the reason that, that what is happening in the United States is happening, why does it not have the same effect in Portugal? Uh, to give you another example, New Zealand, where I'm from, uh, New Zealand, uh, I, I'd say, I think it's pretty broadly agreed, had one of the best public health responses uh, in the world when it came to the pandemic. Um, we have a very, very high vaccination rate, uh, some stubborn uh, anti-vaccination sentiments, certainly, but a, a high vaccination rate, nonetheless, one of the highest in the world. Joe Rogan is the most listened to podcast in New Zealand on, on Spotify. Um, it's very popular, just like he is in, in other parts of the world. So why is it that in New Zealand, where public health experts are actually generally trusted and the government's uh, public health response to this pandemic has, has been uh, not just trusted, but, but broadly popular, why is it that Joe Rogan, being the most popular podcast in New Zealand, has, has not derailed this? So, and that, again, to me, is another illustration that there is something else going on. And, and we can talk about those factors, because I think they have been pretty, pretty well covered in the media. But there's other underlying structural factors in the United States that explain what is happening that, that censoring Rogan would, I think, do little to nothing about if, if anyone actually managed to do it. Yeah, that... Yeah. Okay. So that is an amazing detail. I, I didn't know that about, I mean, it makes sense. I'm sure it's generally true throughout the English speaking world, but, um, but the, the detail about, about Rogan's popularity in New Zealand is really striking there. I, I think, um, you know, and I think we should say too, and I, I don't know that I could, you know, maybe you could speak better to this than I can, but, um, I also think a big factor in the United States, and I, I do blame Trump for a lot of this, is that at least in the United States, uh, attitudes towards COVID have become sort of bound up with like the kind of, uh, you know, just the sort of general culture war about everything and uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in a way that's like, kind of shocking in a way, but then sort of makes sense in another way that, um, you know, cause like, 
you'd think the issues would just be entirely unrelated, right? You know, like what, like what you think a, uh, you know, like, you know, what, what you think the right mitigation after, you know, uh, measures are for a disease really shouldn't have anything to do with who you vote for, or, you know, what, uh, you know, how you, how you feel about uh, Black Lives Matter or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, somehow, at least in this country, it very consistently does. Yeah, and and look, I mean, one of the things that led to Trump's rise was was the the growing mistrust in institutions, in, in government, in the press, um, and a whole host of other things. Um, and so, uh, I think it's it's not surprising that um, obviously, even even though Trump is is pro vaccine and he's been outspoken about this uh, at least recently, um, I think it's not surprising that 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 general mistrust has um, has really taken hold in, in, in the movement that, that he's the the head of. Um, I mean, uh, I, I think it's worth remembering too. There's another pretty interesting fact, which is what is the the age group that is most uh, likely to have taken the vaccine, um, and that's mm-hmm. older people. It's it's uh, people who are um, you know sixty five or over, and and uh, frankly, it's also wealthier people. Um, there's been a, 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 a well. Okay, let me let me let me explain uh, why why that's significant. First of all, the older crowd. I mean, that's the crowd most likely to to have voted for Trump, to vote for Republicans, to watch Fox News, um, and yet despite that. Uh, despite the fact that, that the Republican Party is full of, uh, you know, leave aside Trump, full of politicians who are using kind of either outright or soft anti-vaccine sentiment um, uh, and, and kind of incorporate that into their political messaging. Despite that, uh, older people have the, the best uptake in terms of vaccines. Um, I don't know why that is, but clearly misinformation only goes so far, right? Um, uh. Uh, the other thing is that uh, the, the correlations between whether you're vaccinated, your, your vaccination status and, and, and income and insurance status is, uh, has been pretty um, well documented throughout the past year. Uh, if you are insured, you're much more likely to get the vaccine. If, if you are um, a, a lower income person, you're less likely to get the vaccine too. Um, and we know uh, that, that the United States uh, just absolutely chaotic and, and unfair healthcare system, if that's indeed what we can call it, uh, is a large part of the, the, the anti-vaccine problem, or at least the unvaccinated problem. Uh, it's people who um, are worried that they're going to have to pay for the vaccine. And, and because of years, if not decades, of uh, you know, going to being, being, having the rug pulled under them by their insurer, uh, or you know, going to get medical treatment and, and getting a, a, a bill for thousands of dollars that they were told they wouldn't have to pay. All of these things that are pretty uh, sadly uh, common in the U.S. Uh, healthcare system. Um, these things are, are part of the equation of vaccine hesitancy in the United States. There's a lot of people who, sure, they hear the vaccine is free, um, but uh, you know, they think to themselves, "Well, I, I'm not insured," even though. And, they might not realize, they may not be informed and realize that that doesn't have anything to do with the vaccine. Um, or they think, well, sure, they say it's free, but then that's what they said last time when I, you know, uh, had to get this procedure done. And then I was in the hole for you know, three grand. Um, so, you know, the, the, when I talk about structural factors, this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's the, it's the hard stuff. It's the, it's reforming the, the horrific U.S. healthcare system. Um, you know, it, it making sure that everyone is insured. And the, the fact that, uh, 
that's difficult. No one has any appetite to do it, of course. And so what you get is instead you get Democrats, Democratic politicians who don't want to do anything about these uh, inequalities going. Well, the problem is that this guy on Spotify is saying all this stuff. And if we just got rid of him, because that's the only thing we can do anymore. We can only censor. We can only do punitive sanctions for anything. If we just do that, that'll be the thing that, that really does it. And of course, I, like I said, I don't think it will. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I actually think uh, wholly that I've seen that the, uh, that, um, that just, there's a big chunk. I mean, it's not the majority or anything, you know, but it's, um, but there's like a very statistically significant chunk, I think, of um, of people who haven't gotten the vaccine yet, who's uh, who lists their sort of one of the concerns they list is that if they have side effects, they you know they wouldn't be able to afford to take time off of work. Mm. Which, yeah, you know, I mean, that... might be... yeah. Well, and again, you know, another another thing that's that's hard to change. Uh, you know, I mean, we saw that with the the Build Back Better uh, uh, bill. Um, there's an enormous fight, even just to get some of these uh, what seem like kind of minor concessions um, from from the the private sector. Uh, that that would be really helpful. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, uh, like I said, unfortunately, a lot of um, American liberals, and I, you know, I, I don't want to say the left. I hope it's not the left, but, but I, to me, the the push for censorship is is kind of a, it's a surrender, it's a giving up, it's a, you know what, we, we are now acknowledging we simply cannot change anything, uh, and so we're going to just focus on the one thing that the that the United States political system is still capable of doing, which is to take repressive measures uh, against um, people and ideas that they don't like. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's very well said. I, I think, um, and I, also I think that like while kind of going through the sort of litany of, of things that have kind of led it, taken us to this pass, right, where um, Americans, you know, might not listen to Joe Rogan at higher rates than New Zealanders, but uh, but are more likely, you know, to be hesitant about taking the vaccine, uh, is is that I think that the sort of, culture warization of public health information has gone in multiple you know like like has gone in multiple directions right so like at the same like on the one hand i don't doubt for a second that if donald trump had like leaned super hard into into lockdowns and masks that like there would be millions of people wearing like red make america great again masks and that uh, there would be liberal anti-maskers, you know, like, I think that would absolutely be a thing that would exist. But, yeah. like, on, on the other hand, I, I think that it's not great that relatively early on in the pandemic, you know, summer of 2020, that there was, as many people have pointed out, this this massive reversal on uh outdoor public gatherings mm. and I mean, I'm somebody who, you know, I strongly supported the post George Floyd protests. I actually think that like the, when the sort of consensus shifted on the stuff, it got it right the second time that like, um, if you're, you're outside, you wear a mask, et cetera, it's totally fine. I also think that that's lit. I also th- think that more than one thing matters. It's legitimate to balance different goals and, you know, public health against, uh, you know, the sort of importance and urgency of political protest. But even at the time, I really hated that letter with the hundreds of health professionals saying, um, 
uh, as health professionals say, don't let anybody poo-poo going out to a protest, you know, because of public health reasons after, after months where the messaging seemed to be the opposite, you know, where the messaging was mm-hmm. like, if you, you know, if you go to, you know, if you go to a deserted beach with your family, you know, you're, you're, you're killing them. Um, with, yeah, I mean, I, th- no, that's, that's such a, a key example that you bring up because, uh, yeah, I mean, my position on this is, of course, the George Floyd uh, protests were, were correct and people should have been out there, um, even, even with the risk that was going on. But here's the thing. I don't think public health experts and, and medical professionals and, and other authorities in, in the pandemic should have been the ones telling people that because right. at that point, you, first of all, I, I don't think it – they were key to getting people in the streets anyway. <laughs> so so right, right. The, 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 the risk they were taking to do this was, I, I think, pretty pointless uh, when, you, when you weigh it up. But also, um, yeah, I mean, at that point, you know, for a lot of people, because public health authorities have to be persuasive to not just kind of liberal people and left-wing people, but they have to be persuasive to conservative people as well. And so the important thing is to try and keep them out of the political fray as much as possible. And in that case, it was the opposite they weighed into um a a an important issue but i think one that's not really uh to do with their uh particular uh point of expertise and and i guess what people listen to them for and and yeah i think that that kind of set the stage for a lot of people to go okay well these the all this stuff is just it's all just partisan you know we we don't have to listen to it yeah yeah exactly um so so i want to go to calls in a minute but i i guess I should say, you know, so far, you know, we've really talked about all of the sort of own goals by, you know, public health officials that have have decreased public confidence and and, and led people, you know, to, again, not because they listen to Joe Rogan at higher rates than other countries, uh, but... um, but for these other reasons to to be more sort of sympathetic to maybe the worst voices that he has on the show about mm-hmm. uh, about vaccines and so on. Uh, and we've talked about the kind of structural factors that lead a lot of people to, um, you know, to be hesitant to uh, to get the vaccine that that, that aren't really even about um the kind of misinformation, at least that people are thinking of, you know, when, when they, when they think about internet censorship. So all of, all of that's kind of just a way of arguing that the focus on, on Rogan and the focus on, you know, like, I mean, I think that there does need to be some sort of, you know, like, like I think that anybody who's like going out there and like aggressively spending their time debunking, you know, COVID conspiracy theories is doing God's work. And, you know, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm very in favor of doing that. Right. But like the, the focus on, you know, Rogan or the focus on conspiracy theorists sort of misses the point in terms of most of what, you know, of most of what uh, causes the, the phenomena and, and all that seems right to me, but I could also see somebody listening to this and thinking, okay, look, maybe you guys are right, you know, maybe it's like, um, you know, maybe it's like a good 95% all this other stuff you're saying, and especially given the country-by-country comparisons and other places where, you know, Rogan is, you know, equally listened to. Um, and, you know, if, uh, um, you know, we, we, we kind of know that, uh, that uh, you know, that there aren't, like, 
you know, too many millions of people who are who are influenced, unfortunately, by what uh, Joe Rogan, you know, fortunately or unfortunately by Joe Rogan's what said, because if there were, then, you know, Bernie Sanders would have won the uh, the 2020 <laughs> Democratic nomination. Uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, but they could say, look, at least a few people are are influenced by what they hear there. And that's, you know, that, I mean, I mean, it's, it's really hard to quantify, but that's almost certainly true. Right. I mean, there, there, there yeah. are. You know, if an incredibly popular podcaster, um, you know, promotes, you know, irresponsibly promotes doubts about the vaccine, which is exactly what he's done, uh, then then that's going to that's going to influence at least some people. I mean, surely. And, you know, I, I can see somebody having a sort of like, yeah, yeah, I agree with everything else you guys say. But, you know, why not both? Right. You know, why not? Uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, why not worry about the rest of these things and, and, and acknowledge that the rest of these things are the main difference between the United States and New Zealand, but also say, uh, but let's also, you know, boot off Rogan and, and, and maybe that'll save a few people too. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's worth getting into like what the downside is of that a little bit, because I, I know like, you know, we got into this just a little bit at the end of the last episode and, you know, there, there was a, you know, caller who kind of said in a very compelling way, look, um, you know, isn't this just like, you know, like, like, like sort of lefty um, hesitation about censorship. Isn't this just sort of, you know, namby pamby playing by the rules uh, that you know, and, and and hoping that if we're nice, other people will be nice or whatever, and and I think a lot of people probably do see it in that light, right? So so I I guess I guess one question is like from um from a left wing like okay, actually before we even get into the politics of it, maybe just like how much of an escalation would this be of content moderation if for example, you know, Joe Rogan was 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 kicked off of uh, of, of various platforms. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I can't give you the numbers uh, yeah. because I, I'm not like I'm not super versed in the in the in the you know overall podcasting industry and and, and everything you know in terms of, of the raw data. But uh, I mean, I think let's say that the the, uh, the demand that. The, the letter writers wanted if, if Spotify did that that they want uh, kind of a, a, a permanent institutionalized kind of moderation uh, I don't know panel or, or mechanism basically I mean you know Rogan's not the only person who uses Spotify to to uh, to, to broadcast his, his podcast and I'm sure he's not the only person who is saying things that are wrong uh, on there in a variety of different ways or if not even saying things that are wrong things that could be perceived by some by by another person, another partisan faction of being, uh, you know, whether offensive or incorrect or misinforming. You know, the, if you listen to people on the right, they are convinced that everyone who takes COVID even remotely seriously is is kind of being ridiculous, and basically the pandemic is over. Well, I mean, when you open uh, uh, when you open a a, a uh, outlet up to being um, moderated according to the kind of pressures that are upon it from 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 the bottom by people kind of saying hey this is wrong you need to do something about it well i mean you know the 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 right is going to use that as well um and maybe spotify isn't isn't the the you know going to be like the the canary in the the cold mode it's not it's not going to be the you know ground zero for 
the worst of, of internet censorship. But I think generally all this stuff, it does kind of, when you start to normalize it, um, you know, you start to see it more and more in, in other places. I mean, and, and you look at the results in, in Twitter and Facebook and how that's gone. And, um, you know, a lot of people on the left are getting censored uh, for, you know, breaking supposed rules that they're not really breaking or saying things that are offensive or wrong that aren't actually offensive or wrong, but are perceived by the censor um, as being being those things. Um, so, you know, I don't think it's a good direction. And, and, and you know, you, you look at the cost benefit here so okay well that those are the costs what's the benefit okay well you've censored joe rogan but there's still covered misinformation there's still massive vaccine hesitancy in the united states people are still worried to get the vaccine because they can't get time off work or they're uh uninsured or they're worried about uh, having to pay for it and so what you've done is uh you've created this instrument that can be used by people who are politically opposed to you and you've gotten very little benefit from it. Um, you know, to, to just quickly respond to that whole thing about, um, oh, this is just lefty, you know, uh, we're just playing by the rules and we think people will be nice. No, this is actually the, the, the stance that you should take if you understand that people will not play nice. They will not uh, uh, engage uh, with ideas in the world in the way that you want them to. In the real world, uh, when you create the power for, for whether it's censorship or whether it's, for instance, a, a domestic war and terror or any other instrument of, of repression, um, uh, that is going to be used by the people who are actually in power. And the people in power are not the left. Uh, we, by virtue of an open, uh, relatively open internet, that is where the left's kind of recent influences come from. It hasn't come from the institutions that were well established uh, for decades. That's why people want to censor the internet they don't want to censor cable news which is full of misinformation um and so when you when you create that instrument you should understand that eventually someone will will uh get their hands on it whether it's from the beginning or eventually who has different politics to you who maybe finds your politics completely uh uh, uh wrong and and maybe even dangerous and they will use that instrument against you and so why open uh yourself up to that why hand them the power to do that um, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you can make the argument if there was a, if was a clear benefit to it, but I think, as, as I've pointed out, I don't really see that that censoring Rogan would have a, a really meaningful impact on on uh, vaccine rates or, or misinformation in the United States. Yeah, and, and I think it is worth especially underlining that I one thing I see a lot when I, I say things like what you just said is people say, well... But uh, we're talking about, you know, like objective, uh, you know, misinformation, you know, that's like one thing to, you know, to say, you know, you shouldn't be censoring points of view, but, you know, but the, but this, this is just about facts. And, and I, you know, what I always say is that I, I think it's really short-sighted uh, to to think that there's a, there's a clean uh, demarcation there that like, you know, it, it just seems like realistically political um you know realistically political disagreements are always at least partially about facts right i mean that this this mm. is uh like you know you could theoretically certainly have a have a political disagreement that was that was purely about goals and values and and almost every political disagreement is partially about goals and values uh but but it's it's always they're always at least partially uh about about facts and um you know, and and I think that, you know, like if you imagine that it was two thousand and two, uh, and you know, 
whatever, like Spotify uh, existed in 2002 uh, and imagine further that they, they had, you know, the kind of policy you want, the, you know, you want to have for anti-Rogan reasons, um, sh- you know, like they're a lot less likely to, uh, to censor people for agreeing with the government of the New York times that there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq than they are for, mm-hmm. um, claiming that, you know, Bush administration officials are conspiring to mislead the public about, mm-hmm. uh, about weapons of, of mass destruction in Iraq. And, and I guess, so, I, I mean, I think one thing that, you know, insofar as we're, you know, I mean, I think there's an argument to be had about principles, but I mean, insofar as we're just having an argument about consequences, which is certainly one thing we should argue about. And I, I think one thing that's really going to be an issue in terms of like how good or bad you think the consequences of things like this are, is like how representative you think that WMD example is of things that are going to predictably come up in the future. And I mean, my position would be pretty representative because I, I generally tend to think that um, powerful actors, corporations, government agencies lie all the time. Mm. I mean, yeah, they lie all the time. Uh, there's also institutions get things wrong. I mean, you know, reading the, the, the press every day uh, uh, is wading through a, an ocean of, of contradictory or wrong information, um, and, and not even from you know the, the less trustworthy outlets, but you know, oftentimes from some of the most kind of vaunted institutions in the United States. Um, you know, the, this whole thing about facts as well. Well, this is about facts, and so and so that should be easy. Well, it, it's about facts to, to you, but there are a whole host of, of people. There are millions and millions of people who are just as convinced as you, even if you are objectively right, but they are just as convinced as you that, that the facts are on their side and that you, in fact, are the person uh, who, who doesn't know the facts and that, that you're, you're spreading fake news. And so this is a problem. This has been the issue with the entire uh, pandemic, I think, is, is that um, the reason we're in this, in this spot is because there has been this widespread collapse of trust and there's this bifurcation of, of authorities. Uh, and so if you're, if you're on one team, on one part of the political spectrum, here are the authorities that you listen to and that you trust. And you're going to listen to what, what they say, even if you don't really know all the facts. But, but you know, you're, you're, that's, that's how this human beings make decisions. We, we, we put our trust in, in people and things and we kind of follow them. That's, that's sort of how our society is structured. And on the other side, if you're on the other side of the political spectrum, you've got a whole host of other competing uh, authorities and, and, and figures and, and all of that who, are, who you trust, and who you believe, and, and who are telling you something completely different. And so in that kind of environment, it's, it's not, you know, as you say, politics is, is always kind of a, a bit of a contest of values anyway. But I think particularly in, in this hyper uh, polarized, culturally polarized environment of the, United, of, of the United States, you can't really have that kind of this talk of, well, you know, I have the facts and, and you don't. It, just, it doesn't really quite work that way. Yeah. And, and especially, uh, in, I mean, I think, you know, it's not just, right, that, okay, so different factions both are convinced that the other ones are factually incorrect, uh, you know, but, of you know, and again, one could be straightforwardly wrong about that. That's not the point, right? They, uh, but uh, but one certainly pragmatic point to think about is how sure you are, you know, how confident you are that the um, that the 
the you know that like the the faction you belong to in arguments about what the facts are is going to be the one that gets to decide uh, what counts as uh, as misinformation. Which which I think if you have uh, you know if you're if you're on you know if you're on the left, I mean like you know I I think uh, so at the very least, right, you know, you're severely critical of corporate America, you're severely critical of American foreign policy, uh, et cetera, then it seems very unlikely to me that um, content, you know, moderation authorities at major corporate platforms are going to consistently or even usually agree with you about, uh, about what the facts are. And, you know, yeah, I, I mean, and again, you might think, like, you might hear all this and still think that uh, that, I mean, that they, it's just worth it, right? That they, that there's like enough at stake that it's like worth rolling the dice about all of this. And I mean, I would disagree for reasons that we talked about a lot in the earlier part of the discussion. But I mean, I, I can see how somebody could have that view. But I, I guess I I would just urge anybody with that view to like really think about, um not just the sort of potential negative consequences of not censoring, but you know, the potential negative consequences of, um, of, of censoring, uh, given, you know, given that this is not just going to be a one-time thing, right. That like, if you are going to, uh, if you are going to escalate the kind of censorship that exists on this platform, and I don't think anybody should doubt that either banning entirely or, um, or imposing some sort of like, permanent fact-checking, you know, kind of see if this episode can go up, see if that episode can kind of go up procedure uh, for, which would not only apply to Rogan, but, you know, would of course apply to everybody else, right? Uh, mm. uh, for, um, you know, the most popular, you know, podcast uh, based on, you know, based on like, you know, factual claims made by by people who are, who are on there, uh, that that would be a major escalation, yeah, the kind of, you know, like it's, yes, there are already rules about, you know, disinformation, et cetera. But I mean, this would be a major escalation in the kinds of censorship that existed. And going back to the first point you made, if we actually, you know, if we like really apply this consistently and if like, you know, Barry Weiss spreads misinformation about uh, about whether, you know, COVID isn't so deadly anymore that we don't need to have, you know, these these mitigation efforts uh, on Bill Maher, right? And we're also applying Ooh. it to Bill Maher, et cetera, then like, that would be an even bigger, like much bigger escalation, right? If we start to apply it, you know, David Leonhardt, right? Um, that would be a pretty apocalyptic es- escalation of uh, of of censorship on these these platforms. And again, even if you think, oh well, but like the particular stuff being censored is is dangerous, there are harms, you know. Like, of course, there are, but it's. It seems to me that if it wouldn't be harmful or dangerous or lead to people dying, if the wrong side convinced somebody in a political argument, it almost wouldn't count as a political argument, right? I mean, it would just be like a sort of argument about, you know, fun trivia or something like that, right? Every (laughs) political argument is a matter of life and death, right? You know, whether to have Medicare for all is a matter of life and death. What the the rules should be about, you know, regulating, you know, police conduct is a matter of life and death. you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, all, mm. all the way down the line. I mean, the, you know, politi- you know, issues about legal rights and duties and the distribution of material resources, you know, which is what most politics is about is, is consistently 
about, you know, life and death and human welfare and, and you know, and who lives and who dies. And, and it, it's consistently dangerous for the wrong side to, mm. to, to win, right? You know, and so, like, I mean, again, if, if the left were in power, then, you know, you could make a case for just being a consistent Stalinist about all of this stuff. I, I you know, I would have my, <laughs> I would have my objections to it. Right. But I mean, I can, I can understand, I can understand what could, could lead somebody there. But I mean, the, also, you know, the left is just hilariously and tragically far from exercising any sort of power. Yeah. I think it's worth thinking about, um, in the scenario you mentioned where like if we really if we really wanted to stamp out misinformation or whatever you want to call it uh uh via censorship um whether by COVID or something else it would not require just going after rogan it, you would have to go after yeah hbo cable tv with entertainment shows like like bill mars or whether uh well <laughs> let's say news shows like uh you know on, on cnn and msnbc and fox um uh, you'd have to go after to local TV. You'd have to go after a, a whole heap of things, print, uh, mag- uh, 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 newspapers, magazines, all that stuff. So that would be basically a totalitarian system of information control, um, which I think is not a good idea uh, for obvious reasons. Um, and I think most people uh, listening to this probably would agree with that. That would be quite a scary idea. Um, so then I think the, the other thing that's the other kind of scenario here is that uh, well, okay, we can at least, uh, you know, go, we can localize it on the internet. Okay, but if you if you censor the internet, if you if you do the kind of kind of um, what I would liken it to is like the kind of Vladimir Putin like internet controls. If you look at Russia, that's sort of what what they've got. They've got all these content moderation uh, policies there to make sure that you know officially branded information uh, misinformation is not it's not going out there. And if you have that in place, uh, well, you eliminate all the bad right-wing stuff on the internet um but you still also get rid of all the all the good left-wing stuff on the internet that that would be considered misinformation by people who are you know bureaucrats who who have politics very different from from ours um once you have that you still have cable tv you still have news you still have the print media and these places uh have right-wing ideas right-wing policy prescriptions all that are broadcast there uh and it really don't have very much uh uh, there's not very little access to to those um outlets for for people on the left um so what would end up happening is sure you would you would silence a bunch of noxious a a small part of the noxious part of the of of the right-wing media ecosystem that's purely online um but you would almost entirely uh get rid of every left-wing outlet that exists now which is which is sure it's based in print partly but a lot of it is based in internet traffic and and being able to get the name out through the web um that would all be gone and so you'll be left with the kind of pre uh you know pre uh i guess 2000s media ecosystem where everything is controlled by the establishment essentially uh what an appropriate um political argument is what, what an appropriate policy is all that stuff i don't think that's a very good future i don't think that's one that we should we should be aiming for so just if we think of things in t- purely practical uh even strategic terms it, it, it's a it's a not a good idea i think to go down that road yeah uh makes sense to me i'm sure we uh in the yeah we'll, we'll stick around for uh okay so i was, I was planning on it ending it at one but i i, I want to give time for at least one good discussion I'm, I might have blathered on a little bit. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Say again. 
Oh, I might have blathered on a little bit, so I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh no, 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 please, no problem at all. Uh, you did not, but I, I was just gonna say um, that. Uh, so I want to leave time. I, I've seen a couple other people go in the queue and um, and and then drop out, but I, I want to make sure there's a time for at least one good discussion with the callers. We'll probably go to like maybe five past the hour or something, so we have at least have a good ten minutes for this. So. Um, so yeah, Chardonnay, uh, you are up. Yeah. Um, hey, thanks for the discussion. It's been interesting and I've been thinking a lot about it since, uh, yeah, uh, the last time we, we talked about this. Um, I think to a certain extent, I'm sort of confused about the whole talk of censorship and totalitarianism um, and media control and these, because as far as I'm aware, it's, it's a matter of like public pressure on Spotify to sort of consider the, the consequences, um, uh, of what they choose to host on their service. I haven't seen anyone calling for government intervention or state intervention and in fining companies and services who who host people like Joe Rogan. So so I'm not really sure where the jump from the public expressing concern about um, the effect people like Joe Rogan have and then the jump to... Well, this this leads to totalitarianism. This leads to complete, you know, Stalinist uh, control over the media. Uh, that that seems like a bit of a of a stretch from the current situation. Um, okay. And the, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, let me let me quickly respond. I mean, I, we're not talking about government censorship here. We're talking about the, the letter. He's writers... a totalitarian, and he mentioned sort of a Stalinist. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so, me... so just just yeah. just just to be clear about the the Stalinist line, you would have joking. I know. Uh, yeah, I was half joking, and I was also saying if the um, left got control, if, you know, if the left was in control of everything, right, you know, that that I would, you know, sort of half jokingly using Stalinist as a way of saying. I know, but but, that, but you, know, you but, both but, are throwing around these very sort of extreme yeah, terms yeah. that are usually connected with 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 uh, you know, yeah, extreme state control over. Yeah, speech. yeah. So 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 I mean, like. The, and I, and I guess, like, also, it's a little unclear what it would mean for the left to be in control of these platforms, because presumably if the left, or at least my kind of left, uh, were in power, uh, we would have all these things being controlled by private corporations. Mm. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, Branka, you, you want to you speak to that, that distinction about uh, that Sharon uh, Day is raising about, you know, sort of private and, and public censorship? Yeah, yeah. Let me let me go into that in a, in a second. Just with the totalitarian thing, what I was talking about was um, if we what I was saying was if we wanted to actually suppress bad information through censorship, then you could not just do it by localizing censorship in Spotify. You would have to do it through an all across the board uh, kind of censorship regime that targets not just the, the Spotify but the entire internet. Uh, the, the entirety of the airwaves, uh, you know, cable, uh, 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 sure. radio, all that. And so t- what I'm saying is that would be totalitarian because that would mean either one or numerous different bodies all you know, uh, controlling or, or deciding what can uh, be put out on, whether it's TV or, or radio or internet or in, in print, uh, and and saying well th- this can't because this is you know misinformation or whatever and, and that that I think is 
inarguably it's totalitarian. Uh, yeah, I mean, but but I don't see how that in in any way relates to the situation as it is well, right now. It well, does because, because, well, hold on, let, sorry, yeah. let, let me let me explain. Yeah, yeah. It does because what I'm saying is uh, that that censoring Rogan just by himself would not stop misinformation. And so I'll, I'll repeat this again. So if you were, if you no, actually no, wanted to that. use censorship, if you wanted to use censorship to stamp out misinformation against vaccines or whatever across the board, you would not, you would have to actually take a censorship regime that goes to the entirety of, of information uh, output that, that goes beyond and, uh, uh, Rogan. And so that would be quite a scary thing. Well, yeah, yeah if you wanted to completely stamp out anything whatsoever but again that's not really the conversation that's well then why do, well hold on so why do it why why get rid of if we admit uh-huh. that rogan has a little to know uh that, that getting rid of rogan would have little to no actual impact well i don't agree with that okay well let me ask you this who has more of an impact on on public policy uh in terms of commentator on public policy in the united states as, as it pertains to covid is it Joe Rogan? Well, I'm not American. It, well, let me ask you: Is it da- is it Joe Rogan or is it David Leonhardt of the New York Times, who we know Joe Biden reads? And and if yeah. you look at Joe Biden's horrible pandemic policy, has really he has has tended to take the Leonhardt view. So why surely Leonhardt is a far more pernicious and dangerous spreader of misinformation and much more deserving of censorship than than Rogan is. If we're if we're talking about efficacy. And not yeah. just about so you know, I'm not coming at this, and this is I should probably have mentioned this, so that's my bad. But I'm not coming at this from the perspective of an American. I'm Danish, and, and uh, like I said uh, the last time I talked to uh, to Ben, I have a brother who's immunocompromised who hasn't gotten vaccinated because basically he listens to Joe Rogan, and those that's where he got the the arguments and the skepticism and the fears about vaccines and uh, his health uh, if he gets vaccinated. Um, so I, w- I would say that it's it's very sort of U.S. centric a lot of this conversation and 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 this shit does spill over into the rest of the world. Um, but in terms of the the totalitarianism and the whole, then we'd have to control all media outlets and the internet and those sorts of things. I feel like part of the problem is that you take these things very literally. So so I view this situation as people are fed up with seeing their family members and their friends become weird conspiracy theory people who to believe insane things and reactionary things and and it, it's impacting their health and therefore they would like to sort of at least provoke a conversation about what responsibility do platforms have and what responsibility does Joe Rogan have as someone who has enormous influence and an enormous reach. Um, so, so that's a lot more how I see what's happening. Um, whereas you seem to take it very literally. People are calling for Joe Rogan to be shut down because he spreads misinformation, but that won't be enough. So if you really want to do this, then we'd have to do this, 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 where I just see it as people reacting and kind of wanting a conversation about these things because mass media like this hasn't really existed before. So we, we do need as sort of a species to have a conversation about how do we deal with people who have enormous outsized influence? What, what do we do with it? And, and, and that conversation has to come from somewhere. And right now it's coming from the frustration. A lot of people are feeling uh, about Joe Rogan and the influence he has on their friends and family.
I think. Right, but but Joe Rogan is not the only factor here. No, of and course I, not. Look, look, I have no doubt that that uh, as in the case of your brother, there are there are of yeah. course some people who who you know Rogan would have had a direct impact on, and the decision making uh, in the course of this pandemic would have been influenced by uh, Rogan. Um, but that's one case, and I, I think there's a lot of other sources of misinformation that, again, if you got rid of course. Rogan, it might have helped your brother. Maybe. It might have helped your brother. I think Rogan's, at, at this point, such a high-profile figure that actually what it would do is it would increase his popularity, and what would happen is actually there would, it would cause more mistrust because people would go, oh, look, it, what he's saying is, is too uh, dangerous to the power centers they want to censor. It. Uh, uh, I, I'm skeptical of that. Well, I, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's what scientists and it's what scientists in the UK have said. So, you know, if you want to listen to the science, that science, scientists have made that very case. Uh, Signable. Okay, I, I just looked it up. The vaccination uh, vaccination rate in Denmark is is eighty percent. Very high. For, you're very, high. very high. Joe Rogan on Spotify in Denmark is a is a, from what I can see, the fifth uh, most popular um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, podcast. Right, and so. I, how is it that Joe Rogan is, is so popular in Denmark, and yet Denmark has a far, far better vaccination rate than, than the United States? It's because, I, and this is the fundamental to the point about this whole piece, that ultimately censoring these bad opinions is not going to get rid of the reasons that people are being drawn to listen to bad opinions and being drawn to trust people who very clearly, like Joe Rogan, should not be trusted on public health. People like Joe Rogan who outright say... Uh, do not listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. Why the hell are you taking a vaccine? Well, I don't. Yeah, you, you said that a bunch, and I'm, that's yeah. Uh, but I, I just don't see why we need to to choose between treating the symptoms and curing the disease. I don't see why we can't do both things. Because you're right in saying that it takes a lot of other factors, societally and and structurally. But there are these people who can sort of fester in open wounds that exist in societies. You know, we, we have um, rampant inequality and people feeling a loss of agency and a sort of uh, losing hope for the future. And then some crank comes along saying it's all because of the gay Jewish space lizards. And then we can laugh about how stupid those people are. But it's, it's still exploiting a weakness that exists. And we need to combat both things. So I, I don't see why we can't both criticize both Spotify and Jerome while at the same time looking at and talking about the structural reasons why someone like Jerome can amass this kind of influence. Well, I don't so see let me, why let those briefly, things are... Yeah, let me, let me briefly explain. I mean, I think no one's saying that you can't criticize Joe Rogan. That, that, you know, everyone can, is free to criticize Joe Rogan. People are well, free to criticize Spotify for making a deal with him if they want to. But that's I, I all that's happening. No, it's not. The the letter writers, I mean, I don't know if you if you read the piece that we're discussing, but... Uh, yeah, I, well, I, did. I did. Okay, well, I it, read the it, very early on, I think in the second paragraph, right, it, it talks about what the demands of the letter writers are. And it's the, the demands are not Spotify, we want you to, to criticize Joe Rogan. They're saying they want to establish some sort of content moderation regime um, to, fill, to to take out misinformation. And of course, this is not going to just uh, relate to, to, to uh, Joe Rogan. Uh, I do not listen to podcasts by Spotify, so I can't tell you what they host and what other kind of programming they have on there. Um, but if if uh, what's going to happen to Rogan uh, is, is going to be uh, applied to every other podcast as well. And so you have to be comfortable with the fact that there will be some unelected 
unaccountable bureaucrat in Spotify um, who, who, for all we know, could That's be a right winger. Well, of course. Well, but just but but Brad, I do just want to say I think already is a little bit of a cop out because clearly the letter writers are calling for a considerable escalation of what already exists. I mean, they're not just saying like. Uh, here's a policy that uh, that we have, uh, you know, that we have right now, and here's a way to, you know, here's a way to implement it. They want new policies. They, you know, they want this kind of content moderate, you know, like that they uh, they're they're having, you know, like they want Spotify to implement new mechanisms. They want to take uh, to... action against. That's what the words are. I'm reading the article. Take action against the mass misinformation events which continue to occur on its platform. Right, so yeah. so they're calling they're calling be... for it to t- for it to for it to take for it to take new actions, right? I mean, they're they're not just saying like, uh, you know, what already exists should continue Implement to exist. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're, no, they're but, saying but, that they they're, 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 they're saying that they're, sh- they're okay, maybe, but they clearly at least one thing they mean is removing shows. And and I I, I do want to go back to the very first thing you said at the beginning of the yeah, call of because because you said that. Um, so first, you you kind of talked about the discussion of like, you know, really extreme hypotheticals, and you said and this is fair enough. But hold on, you know, like like what you're talking about is is much further, you know, than anything that anybody's advocating, which is certainly true, right? Like that that's uh, it is it is much further, right? The reason it was being brought up is that if we were actually going to accomplish the alleged goals, people would have to do much more extreme things, and the point is. You know, if we don't actually want those extreme things to to happen, then uh, then does it make sense to to do this this thing that would accomplish some small part of what they want to do, but also get rid of lots and lots of um, of left wing, anti corporate, anti imperialist voices at the same time, which it would a hundred percent for sure do. Is that worth it? But like, also you said, nobody's talking about the government, right? They're just talking about Spotify. And I really want to resist that because, and, and this is something that kind of drives me crazy because this is, seems like leftists should be able to see what's wrong with the kind of narrow libertarian. No, no, absolutely. I do. I'm not making that argument. I'm not making the argument that, that, that private companies can't exercise censorship because censorship is only something a state can do. That, that's not my argument. Okay, so so it's just that, like, so your 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 point there was just that, like, we're just talking about Spotify rather than advocating that all the other platforms implement I'm similar policies. It's a, it's a leap going from asking Spotify to take actions which may or may not include perhaps removing some shows. I don't know how I'd feel about that, but it could also include disclaimers or I don't know, a lot of other things. And then going from that to uh, we need a, a totalitarian system of, of, of media control. <laughs> it's, it just seems like, one, I don't find that to be at all realistic as a consequence of sort yeah, of... Yeah, it wasn't being suggested as a consequence. Nobody well, said that on, it would be on. a consequence. What was, being said, what was being said was that to seriously implement the goal that the letter writers implemented, that's what you would have to... That's what you would have but, to but, do. But, that's but, very different that... from saying that one would lead to the other. I don't think either okay, of us but, think but, that I one mean, would lead to the other. It was said as an argument against um, taking action in regards to Joe Rogan. 
So if it's not something you think could no, happen or would happen, not, how is it that's not the case? That's not the case. I'm, I'm well, going to say this for the third time. I'm going to be trying to be as, as clear as I possibly can. What I am saying is that if we wanted to use censorship, so not not look at the underlying structural factors and try and fix those for why people are not being vaccinated, but if we wanted to actually use censorship to make a meaningful impact on the spread and the and, and, and the influence of misinformation on vaccines, then you would have to go beyond just Joe Rogan. And what that would mean is something distinctly scary and I think not something that anyone on the left would actually want implemented. And so it's, it's a, uh, what I'm saying is I'm building on the point that, that ultimately the question about should Spotify censor Rogan and other podcasts or not is really mostly a distraction because it's not going to fix anything. It's, it's a thing that it, it feels like the only avenue of possibility we have left because it feels like political change or the prospects of political change, serious political change, are so stymied uh, that ultimately we just go, well, hold on, what are the things that we can do? Well, we can still censor. And, and unfortunately, as I said, I, I think if you censored Rogan, you would uh, be disappointed in the results because even, even without whatever consequences that will lead to, to content moderation on Spotify, I think you'd still find that 60% uh, or 40% of Americans are not being vaccinated. I think you'd still find that there are a variety of political figures uh, and media outlets that have a far bigger reach than Rogan. Uh, that are still spreading anti-vaccine misinformation. Um, and you would have the same structural factors, the economic factors that are preventing people from being able to access the vaccine or, or making them hesitant to access the vaccine. And so you you substantially get very little benefit, but uh, the cost, at least in terms of, you know, if you enjoy shows on Spotify that aren't being um, censored by, by some faceless bureaucrat, uh, the cost would be uh, substantially bigger. So it's nothing to do with consequence. I'm, no one here is saying that if you if you start to uh, censor Joe Rogan, well, that that leads you know ultimately the next step is authoritarianism. Yeah, yeah. Although I, I will say I, I think as Ben has said before, I think undermining these norms of free speech is not good. In the same way that you know, I mean, one of the most politically effective things you could do um, to. Uh, uh, to, to making of this happen is you could just block people from voting. You could take away their voting rights completely uh, based on their ideology, based on how they voted before. That would be very effective. I mean, it'd be very uh, illiberal and, and, and incredibly dangerous. And I think for that reason, no one would ever seriously consider that thought. But um, I think for some reason, uh, people we have a slightly different standard when it comes to, say, say voting rights and, say, free speech rights. Right. Uh, I guess it's, it's back to the sort of issue I had with uh, well, not issue. The difference you take it very literally, uh, whereas I see it as the start of the conversation. I don't see it as well. We get Spotify to censor uh, Joe Rogan, and then we'll see this huge increase in people getting vaccinated and believing in science again, or anything like that. Um, I see it as as a first step in beginning a conversation about how do we deal with these massive platforms and these massive influencers that include Joe Rogan, but don't end with him. Because if, if Spotify or someone chose to take action and say, okay, we need to have a serious conversation about how do we deal with this kind of thing, it wouldn't just be Joe Rogan. It would also be the entire sort of universe around him and other people on the far right who also spread this kind of... And not, and not just people on the far right, by the way. Remember that the, the right is very good at working the refs. Uh, the, the, for instance... Because they complain so much about tech censorship, say when it's Facebook and Twitter, 
they've been able to actually get some of their own people in there to do the censoring. Uh, you know, Facebook censored um, an article way back when about uh, Brett Kavanaugh that was done by um, uh, uh, the censorship was done by a guy who worked for the Weekly Standard. Um, and so, yeah. you know, uh, it's not just going to be going to be rogue. But yeah, I agree. Look, it, it, as far as in terms of starting a conversation, sure. That, that's fine. I don't think what, that's what the letter writers were actually saying, but I, I think that's a fair point to make. And this, so, is, this, so, is, so. A, this is the next step in the conversation. My reply to that, to that initial conversation starting point is that I think censoring him is a, a foolish idea and that we need yeah. to look at other things. I will say I thought you made some really good points and I agreed with a lot of it. This is just, yeah. Um, okay. But oh, no, sure. I don't want to make it sound like I just think you were completely wrong. I don't. I just yeah, think that it's more nuanced, and I think it it doesn't have to be as literal as. Well, can, can down I can, can I just can I just and, and that's fair. Uh, can I just ask a clarificatory question? When you say not literal, right? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I do, should say do, English is my second language, so I could be misspeaking. No, I went well, okay. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, so your, your English is, is is certainly is certainly much better than uh, than than, than, than your Danish I've ever tried. Yeah. <laughs> Not only than my Danish, right? Uh, which, uh, which is so bad, I literally don't even know how to say, da- you know, Danish and Danish. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but also than any of the languages I've actually spent years trying to learn. But, uh, but in any case, uh, but I was, I was gonna, I was gonna say though, because, because I want to be, I, I just want to be clear on your idea, yeah. you know, uh, that, like, if. So is what you mean by saying that Bronco is taking it too literally that uh, that he that he's just like he's he's taking he's taking them as being serious about advocating you know the 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 like policies you know for Spotify that they're advocating that like they they don't they don't necessarily mean them or, you know, cause, cause I mean, on the face of it, when you say starting a conversation, well, fair enough. But I mean, I would think that like, say that the issue should be taken seriously. You should have a conversation with them. I, I mean, I guess this is what Bronco just said, right? I would think the very beginning of that conversation would be like addressing, here's the demand that was made. And, you know, here's, here's why I don't think it makes sense. You know, like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, no, but but uh, as, as I think also Branko said, this is part of that conversation, the one we're having right now, right? It's it's all about the reaction to it as well. So some people come out reacting quite extremely, saying this is insane. We have to stop this. It's too much. It's having it's doing too much damage. And then there's the reaction, and then a dialogue can sort of um, uh, come into existence. But I, I think by literally, I mean taking that first reaction as sort of uh, the be-all and end-all of the conversation and then extrapolating consequences from those uh, preliminary or sort of first reactions to the whole thing. Um, Whereas I see it as the beginning of a longer process of back and forth and and a sort of larger societal conversation about how do we deal with these things. And so when I say literally, I mean... They react quite extremely, and then we look at them and we say, that's insane, that will lead to this, this, and this. Um, whereas I don't take it to be that literal. I just take it to be the beginning of a process. I, I will say, I mean, I don't think they're insane. I actually think... It's no, no, that's normal. my it's hyperbolic... Uh... Right, right. 
Well, just to explain what I mean, like I, I think actually that the, the rush to, to censorship is a very normal and natural human uh, impulse. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's a thing that, you know, it used to be the, the right conservatives that were the most ardent censors for many decades. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still yeah. are, but... but still are. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I, was, I was just going to say, I don't think that's in the past tense. No, it yeah. hasn't, hasn't changed. <laughs> But but you know they used to be the most high profile, and now we're sort of seeing some some uh, high profile things on the on the liberal side that are coming up as well. And, and so you know this is a very old thing. My point with this piece is that I think ultimately it's it's pretty misguided, and and not even for the the consequences, uh, the potential consequences of having any sort of uh, censorship regime in place, but just because I think. There's so much in the U.S. political discourse, there's so much uh, hyper-focus on uh, misinformation and censorship and uh, these things being the silver bullet to cure was ailing the United States. And um, there's, there's, you know, we, we, what ends up happening is people ignore all these much more important things. Um, I would say mm-hmm. that some of the structural factors we talked about. Um, yeah, I agree the, with that. The, the collapse of trust institutions, all that stuff. Yeah. So that, that's, I'll just, that, I'll say that. Right. But I think that's just classic liberal sort of. Well, I mean, we're, well, hey, listen, the, the U.S. is a is a uh, liberal country, you know, and yeah, I mean, it's a liberal democracy. We, we're stuck in a liberal system, so you know, this is this is what my part of what my my piece is aimed at is I, I want yeah. people who are in the liberal spectrum to kind of look uh, liberal part of the spectrum to look at this and go, hmm, okay, maybe that maybe there's a good point in here. Yeah. Sorry for taking so much. No, time. no, no. It was a good exchange, and thank you for for uh, for, for for asking the questions and, and pushing back. Yeah, no. I, th- this is why I mean I, I stretched this out a little bit longer than I wanted that I was initially planning to because I think there's kind of no point to doing this as a you know as a college show without uh, you know with without having some some, <laughs> some calling back. it. You know that's that's the kind of the, <laughs> that's kind of the whole idea. So yeah. Uh, okay, but. Uh, we um, are going to be uh, back um, on Tuesday. We have one of these scheduled for uh, for five thirty, uh, so I can argue with Thaddeus Russell about Marxism, and people can call into that. Uh, should be uh, should be a good time. Otherwise, uh, thank you so much, Bronco. No worries. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, guys. Left is best.